Hello, everybody, and welcome to 38 Weeks to Go, your weekly podcast about fantasy football. Game week 16 is done, and now we have 22 weeks left to go. So, how was game week 16 for you? I can't speak for all of you, but I got 70 points. Talk about a recovery. I am very happy with how that went. Having Son, Mikolenko, and Solanke really helped push me above everyone else. Well, not everyone else, but it really helped me make moves. So, as we get into this week, the first thing that needs to be said is vice-captain. Who is your vice-captain? Who was your vice-captain? Do you ever think about your vice-captain? For us, Holland captainers, we were really stressed when Haaland did not play. But thankfully, I put Salah as my vice-captain. And that is what really made the difference. Salah got 13 and I got 26. In the top 10, only one of us, Sim Nanijua, is the only person who didn't have Salah as vice-captain. He had Alvarez and that really cost him. Because Leon Mortier, why are you running? Just swiftly rain past him. But more on that later. Let's start off with Liverpool 2, Crystal Palace 1. This game was so interesting. I initially thought Crystal Palace had no chance because they didn't have their dynamic players. But they started off quite strongly and even took the lead through the penalty by Mateta. When I was watching this match, I honestly didn't know where Liverpool were going to get their goals from until Ayu got his second card of the day. It was a bit harsh. He got it in like the 74th minute. As soon as he got sent off, Liverpool scored with their first opportunity. Salah scored and I was happy because I thought, OK, at least I get something from this game. I didn't want him to do too much because I had Haaland as my captain and I didn't want to regret it. But little did I know how important Salah's 200th goal would be for my team and for many of us. With 10 men and Olise coming on, Palace really couldn't do much. Although they did hold on, but in the end, Elliot got a goal in heartbreak time, 90 plus. And that was that. Liverpool remained comeback kings. Another surprise for me in this game was the return of Alisson to the team. I had benefited from Kelleher's clean sheet the previous game. And so now I was panicking because now he's gone and I now have a 3.9 goalkeeper that I have to get rid of quickly. But I was like, okay, Simikas will keep a clean sheet. That didn't happen. For all of us who brought in Simikas, I think we've been a bit unlucky. Every time Liverpool keep a clean sheet, Simikas isn't playing. But then he comes on at 70 and then we get one point. It's very frustrating to own him right now. For being the only left-back available, it's weird that he gets rotated as much as he does. Salah and Jones got both of their assists in the game. Salah got the three bonus points. Mateta and Trent Alexander-Arnold got two bonus points. From a fantasy perspective, Salah is still the man. He is super solid, super reliable. This is his 200th goal for Liverpool. What more can you say? He's been amazing for Liverpool. He's been amazing for fantasy. This must have been what it felt like to have Cristiano or maybe Henri or Ruud van Nistelrooy back in the day. Trent and Salah are looking like the best Liverpool targets right now. They're both quite pricey. Maybe if you have a lot of money and Trippier is out like he is this weekend, maybe he might be somebody worth looking into. I mean, they're playing Manu. Who knows how that game will go? Brighton won, Burnley won. It seems like if there's only one thing you can count on, it is for Brighton to concede a goal, regardless of the opposition, as long as it's in the Premier League. Burnley, to their credit, this was their first time not to concede a goal from their own mistake. It was just good football from Brighton. Brighton were the better team in this game. They had players missing, Mitoma didn't even start. Their team is really struggling right now. Deserbi is really fighting. <laughs> but it seems like no matter who plays for Brighton, 
they are able to score. They have scored now in 32 consecutive Premier League games. I think if you're the Brighton team, I think the focus has to be like, we need to score two goals. Not because they need two goals, but because they'll definitely concede one. And it is for us to be like, okay, where are these two goals going to be coming from? To be fair to Brighton, they really did try. They forced Trafford. Trafford is a Burnley keeper. He had to make 10 saves to keep the 1-1 draw. It seems like company has changed something. My boy Kualiosho was injured in the last game. And his replacement was Odober. And he was the one who got the goal for Burnley off a Rodriguez assist. For Brighton, Adingra, who has been having a breakout campaign, scored the goal, a good header, off the cross of Gross. Gross is such a versatile player. He seems to be playing left back one game, right back another, midfield another. He's very versatile and he really helps this team do what it needs to do. If you're looking to get into Brighton, actually right now, these two are their best players, Gross and Adingra. They seem to be able to get returns every week or every other week. For Burnley, I don't know what to say. I still think they are a poor team, but at least they seem to be able to fight now. Something has changed, and maybe we should keep an eye on this and see what's going to happen. Kolyosho is injured, so maybe Odoba can continue. We shall see. Also, random information. Nobody asked. Kolyosho is eligible to play for the US, Canada, and Italy. So it remains to see who he will pledge his nationality to. Moving on, Adingra had the three bonus points. Gross and Trafford had two. So maybe if you're one of those people who's done with all these fancy expensive keepers who can't keep a clean sheet, maybe a guy like Trafford who will be tested or Fodderingham might be somebody worth looking into. Rodriguez has also been sneakily good for Burnley of late. So if you're one of those differential guys, this is a guy to look out for. Bournemouth 3, Manchester United 0. I would say that there were four or five surprises. But for me, this was number one. Number two was Everton beating Chelsea. Number three was Fulham beating West Ham. Number four was Sheffield beating Brentford. Number five was the Man City game. And then number six was Newcastle for me in that order. You know, it's wild because... <laughs> Ten Hag, Ganacho, Maguire were all celebrated for their great performances over the month of November. You'd think November was last year. I don't know what it is this season, but whenever Man United lose, they look horrible. Whenever they lose, I always feel like they play so lazily. They don't press. It's quite fascinating to me because... Up until now, I don't know what Ten Hag wants to do with this Manchester United squad. I don't know what his tactics are. I look at Bournemouth and it is even easier to tell what they want to do than Manchester United. And this guy has been there shorter. So, what is it? What's going on? Although I am very happy that Rashford is sitting because it means to me that Ten Hag is changing his approach to his squad selection, and this may help him in the future. Even bringing back Maguire was something brave, and he would have been very embarrassed had that fourth goal been allowed. At this point, Bournemouth have won, I think, three out of four games. They are looking promising. The next three games are very winnable. So Lanky scored, Billing scored, Senesi scored. Random. I know many of you would have thought like me that Sanessi would be an Italian player. But he's Argentine. The assists came from Tavernier and Louis Cook. Sanessi had the three bonus points. 
Lewis Cook had the two, Solanke had one, and Tavernier had one. Over the next three weeks, you should definitely consider bringing in Bournemouth players. It's very hard to choose one right now because they all seem to be firing on all cylinders. Billing is good. Sanessi is a defender, so he's good. He has been scoring of late, although I would say if you're going to select him, be careful because he's one yellow card away from a suspension. Tavanier looks like he's going to be creating. Semenyo is also amazing. Billing is also amazing. Solanke is also amazing. If you're banking on the defenders, maybe Neto would be something worth having. Someone, rather. As for Manu, you know they have Bayer tomorrow, or rather today. And they have Liverpool next. Bruno Fernandes got a yellow card. Now, I don't know how well your memory works, but last time when they were hammered like seven, he wanted none of it, and he wanted to be subbed off. I don't even remember that. So this time around, he can foresee the seven coming. So he got the yellow card in advance, like he can be substituted before the game. <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad for Nana. I hope it's not as bad as it's going to be, but I've never seen a Liverpool Man U game and be like, huh, I definitely need Salah as my captain. This according to Bournemouth fans, is their best result ever. I mean, winning at Old Trafford is always a big deal, especially when you're a team of their stature. So congratulations to them. I know earlier on when I was talking about Manchester United's next games, I said they had losable fixtures. When I said that, I was thinking about Bayern, Liverpool, Chelsea, and definitely, I was not considering Bournemouth. So maybe just the Bournemouth and Chelsea games have interchanged. I don't know how you felt watching this game, but it looked like Manu don't have fight. And by that, I mean, it's like um, they're just players of finesse and they don't want to do the boring, hard, dirty things. They don't have that kind of Roy Keane type guy who's just going to go there and get in there and get messy. Maybe that's what Casemiro is supposed to be or was, but he's been unavailable. And I think that level of fight is missing from them. At this point, I honestly think they should look into signing Iraola. <laughs> Moving on. Sheffield United 1, Brentford 0. First of all, I must apologize to Sheffield. I thought they were trash, trash, but it seems the manager does matter. They got this win. I think they have eight points now. I still think they're relegation favorites, but it seems Wilder knows how to bring something out of these guys. The goal Makati scored, for me, is a contender for goal of the month. That and their goal from Fulham, Harry Wilson. It must be said that Brentford were missing a bunch of players which even shaped their lineup. They didn't have players playing in the positions that they were supposed to. And I guess that's a problem of a mid-table club. You may not have the depth that you require to compete. And Brentford didn't look like they could compete. It's quite interesting now because Bomo is going to be out. And then if he recovers, he's going for Africa Cup. So suddenly, Bournemouth's fixtures, which looked very friendly and very winnable for them, are suddenly looking quite challenging. And if anything... They might just be happy that they have these set of fixtures before their harder ones come in and their players can return. From a Sheffield perspective, it's very interesting because they're essentially the same team. They still have players missing. But I guess it shows how much changing your approach, your mentality can do for you. They worked really hard. And Wilder is bringing something different to them. And I am impressed. And I wish them luck. Let's see what Wilder can do. Let's just see if it's a new manager bounce or if it is more than that. It's very hard to recommend the Bournemouth player right now because they are injured and their rotation's messed. 
And so I would discourage you from moving into them right now. As for Sheffield, if they continue to work hard like this, it might not be too bad to get a defender from them. Hammer got the assist. He started the season really well, and maybe now he's going to be one of those people who will flourish under the new manager. Fodderingham got all the bonus points, which shows you that he really worked hard. Ahmed Hodzic got the two bonus points, and Robinson got one. Wolves won, Nottingham Forest won. It must be said that Steve Cooper, Nottingham Forest's manager, is under pressure right now. The results, especially the 5-0, have him on the ropes, as it were. So they really needed something from this. And to be fair to them, they deserve to win this game. It's quite interesting that their most dangerous players were Tofalo and Neko Williams. Forrest got their goal through Tofalo, and to be honest, he deserved to have had at least one more. But he's also a wingback, so he finished like one. On the other side, Sarabia had the assist for Cunha's goal. It was a beautiful team goal. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Cunha has been really good over the last three or four games, having an assist or a goal in these last four games. And so he's definitely somebody worth having. Along with Sarabia, he is not making up for Neto, but he is a spark and good things happen when he's on the ball. Wolves were lucky not to lose this game, and so they'll take that one point. Nottingham first, this was encouraging for them. And I would say they're really struggling right now because our knee is missing. And I don't know what's happening with Wood, but it doesn't seem like they have a striker right now. And so like Elanga, Morgan Gibbs are sort of rotating, playing through the center, and it isn't quite working right now. Like I said, their best chances fell to the wingbacks. And so if you're looking to get into Nottingham Forest, look into their wingbacks. The only issue is that it's hard to know who will play. It could be Olaina, it could be Tofalo, it could be Aurier, it could be Williams. Cunha got the three points, Sarabia got one, and Nico Williams got two, just to show you how well he played in this game. Aston Villa one, Arsenal zero. The silence was for impact. Let me start off with my own bitterness. Now, I had read all these good things, Arsenal are good at keeping clean sheets, blah, 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 clean sheets, good defenders, blah, 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 good defenders. So I brought in Tinchenko. And ever since I brought Tinchenko, if Arsenal keep a clean sheet, he doesn't play. And he comes on. And then when he starts, they concede. Arsenal are a very frustrating team. But maybe my bringing Tinchenko is a way that's fighting against them and I'm not an Arsenal fan. So maybe I'll keep him. <laughs> Aston Villa scored early. This is their 15th game at home that they've gone undefeated. From 15 games, they've won all of those, and they are just seeming to be unbeatable at home. Having said that, though, Arsenal were the better team, or rather, they created the better chances. But football doesn't work that way. You don't win because you create the better chances. You win because you score more goals. And that is a lesson that Arsenal learned. Odegaard had chances. He had chances to score and to win. He he could have been the man of the match in this game. Aston Villa, against all odds, have two clean sheets in two games. And those two clean sheets are against Arsenal and Manchester City. That's why gambling on football is very difficult. Such things are unknowable. This episode is a bit of a humble pie for me because I had previously said that Aston Villa, the kind of team that will can beat everybody else, but can't beat a top six team. I don't think there's anyone left to beat. <laughs> and so it's good to admit when you're wrong and I've been humbled. You just have to change as change presents itself. And I have to believe what I am seeing. Aston Villa are a good team. 
on their day, they can beat anybody. And better yet, if those anybodies happen to be at home for them, then it's their game. Douglas Louise picked up a yellow card, and so he will be unavailable for their next game. Havertz looks quite interesting right now. He seems to be putting himself into positions to create a bit of chaos. However, I don't see why anybody would go for him ahead of Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard, Jesus. But maybe for that reason, he's a good differential. You almost had the goal. I saw that at least one of you had Saka as their vice-captain, and that really was what held you back. Just go for Haaland, Salah, vice-captain. That combo is the one. Arsenal will kick themselves for not taking their chances, and they were punished for their profligacy. McGinn is looking like quite an interesting player. Bailey is also quite an interesting player for that team. Of course, Watkins should be your first choice. If you still have Matty Cash, I would say hold on to him at least until next week. They have a nice fixture. But also it depends on if he will play. As for Arsenal, I'm beginning to doubt their defenders. They play Brighton soon and I know they'll definitely score. But I'm not too confident they won't concede. Martinez played well. He looked like he deserved that World Goalkeeper of the Year award that he won recently. He had three bonus points and I saw a brave person put him. Our leader got 10 points from him. McGinn had two and Diego Carlos had one. McGinn scored the goal. I think I forgot to mention that. And Bailey had the assist. Moving on to Everton 2, Chelsea 0. Everton have kept three clean sheets in a row. One, two, three. Chelsea put out a lineup and when I looked at it, I was like, oh, so they don't want to compete. It It's funny. Like, I get it. They went away from Nicholas Jackson. I mean, they put in Mudrik for Sterling. Only Cole Palmer really played from what you're used to, if you can be used to a Chelsea lineup. It didn't seem like they had chemistry. They couldn't get anything going. Only Palmer was threatening, and he was dangerous. I am done with Palmer. Sorry, I moved him from my team. Look at the 38 weeks to go Instagram to know why. I have to tell you guys, I'm a believer. Everton just seemed to perform. I don't know why, but they are solid. They're a unit. Sean Dyche has them performing better than anyone could have hoped for, really. The goals came from Dukure, and in the last minute, Dobbin. I have said this countless times. If anything good happens in Everton, Dukure is involved. I brought in Tavanier from this next game week coming, but it was really a battle between him and Dukure. The only reason I didn't bring in Dukure was because I believe Bournemouth have easier fixtures. I had a very interesting start. Chelsea, in this calendar year of 2023, have earned, well, except the promoted guys, the fewest points this year. That's how bad they have been. That's just to say Potter wasn't to blame. I didn't think Potter had to go, if I'm honest. Another very interesting stat that I had. When Chelsea have 50% or more possession in a game, they lose. And that's how they've lost 10 of their games. When they have less than 50%, they have a favorable result. And so they win or they draw. And that's how they've gotten four out of their five victories slash draws. Chelsea have considered 15 goals in their last six games. And they've only scored 12. So it's tough times for Chelsea. Somehow, I don't think they're better than last season, but I don't know if it's because of the reputation of the coach. They're not being given the amount of hell they were last season. As for Everton, all you need to do is watch the second goal See how they celebrate, and you will know that they're a team that is unified. There were one, two, three, four, five clean sheets, and Everton got one of them. 
like I said before, this is their third clean sheet. I just got Mikolenko and he is delivering. Get into Everton defense. Pickford got the three bonus points. Dukure got two. And Mikolenko got one. Sanchez, who was a keeper for Chelsea, got injured. So if you have him in your teams, watch out. Also, if you have Branthwaite in your team, he's suspended. That will affect Everton's defense moving forward because he played really well and he's a really smart player. Having watched him, I am very impressed with how he moves and his positioning. And I think they'll miss that going forward. Moving on. Fulham 5, West Ham 0. For the second week in a row, Fulham have won 5. Apparently they haven't done this since the 1960s. This is a great spell of form for Fulham. And fantasy is about waves. And I would encourage you to look at this team and just gamble on them. You have Iwobi, you have Raul Jimenez, you have Harry Wilson who scored maybe the second best goal of the weekend, if not the best. You have Pereira, you have the left back uh, Robinson. Of course, you have William. Right now, Fulham are just a team that seem to be scoring at will. It's safe to say that they have figured out how to play without Mitrovic now. It has taken them a while. They seem to have integrated Jimenez into the team. And the future is bright for them now. Maybe enough to convince Palinia not to go to Bayern in January? Let's find out. You know, one of the things I noticed, or rather, it's my little bet I'm having with myself, is that Harry Wilson kind of looks like the player that can end up in Newcastle. I don't know why, he just has that Newcastle Aaron Gordon English vibe about him. So watch that. West Ham without Edson Alvarez are like Manchester City without Rodri. It's quite amazing that he hasn't been there for long, but he's made quite an impact. They had nothing in the middle. And they were just torn apart. If you listen to the previous part, I said that I believed West Ham were very lucky against Spurs and that they even won that game. Even if you heard the post-match interview with Moyes, he was like, yeah, we were lucky. In this game, it seems like their luck ran out and they were exposed. They have not been in great form of late, but they've been scraping by kind of like Manu. It's not clear what is going on, but uh, we're hoping that they will fix it soon, especially for the Kudus, James Prowse, Owen owners, and Suchek callers. In this game, there were five different goal scorers and five different assist givers. Tossin, for a Manchester City product, the defender scored. Vinicius scored. Wilson scored the pick of the bunch. Raul Jimenez scored. And William scored. The assists were from Iwobi, Andreas Pereira, Tom Kearney, Palinia, and Wilson. The bonus points were Raul Jimenez, Tosin Adarabayo, and Leno. Leno has been quite good for them this season. Ride the Fulham wave, guys. Just ride it. Luton 1, Manchester City 2. This game was a big surprise because Man City didn't hammer them, but also couldn't quite break down Luton. I know losing the quality of a man like Haaland is important, but I didn't think they would struggle as much as they did. Don't get me wrong, they were the better team. They deserve to win, and they deserve to win by more. But they really struggled to score. Luton scored out of nothing. Just really out of nothing. Rodri was back, so you knew they would be hard to beat. Grealish was also back. Foden was their most dangerous player. It is said that Haaland has a bone issue that he felt from the Aston Villa game, and he's out. This is going to have a big impact on some of our decisions. If you are a wild card holder, this might be the time to consider using it. Because with 14.0, you could bring in Trent Alexander-Arnold. You could bring in Ollie Watkins. 
you could bring in, you could really just shake up your team depending on Helen's availability or lack thereof. A differential that people don't really talk about is Bernardo Silva. He has now scored and assisted seven goals this season. Only Helen and Alvarez are better for Man City. So if you're looking for a third player in that Man City team, he might be the guy to get into. Adebayo scored the goal at halftime for Luton. Bernardo scored a really good goal. And Grealish scored a goal as well. The assist came from Alvarez. Alvarez gets points sneakily. It's like you don't see them, but he just gets them. I've been thinking of moving off of him, mainly because I'm bored of him. But he's returning. But somehow, I still want him out of my team and I don't even understand why. It really doesn't make any sense. But I really want to get rid of him. But he's performing. Is anyone else having this kind of sentiment about him? Grealish, a.k.a. DJ Grillo, had the three bonus points. Bernardo had two. And Adebayo had one. Now, we saved the best for last. Spurs, four. Newcastle, one. Let me tell you guys, as a Trippier holder, hey, <laughs> it's been tough. He is looking tired. He's looking old. He looks like he needs a break. And thankfully, he's suspended for the next game. I won't remove him from my team, but he needs a break. He's going to play Champions League this week, and then he'll miss the weekend. He needs a break. He looks done. That Newcastle team lacks depth. If they somehow manage to stay in Europe, they will need to get more players in. Maybe Harry Wilson? But they will need to get more players in in January. Something else I learned is that Newcastle have only won one game away from home. And that game was when they hammered Sheffield 8. Apart from that, they have not won away from home. So, in theory, or rather in practice, when Newcastle are away, don't make any strong decisions about their team. But when they're at home, favor them. As in, it's so bad. Only Sheffield and Luton have taken fewer points away from home than Newcastle. Also, fun fact, Newcastle have now lost six games. And this is more than the entire last season. This season is quite tough. It's quite fair. Well, fair is not the word, but level, level-ish. This game started brightly. Isak had a chance early on. And it seemed to be their best chance in the, I guess, before Spurs took over because after he missed that chance, it was all Spurs all the way. Son was just dynamic. The way he ran at players, it was Kaka-like. He was impossible to deal with. He was in the mood. He had two assists and a goal. He was by far the best player on the pitch. And I'm not sure if there was anybody who could have done anything to stop him short of just fouling him. I like Son in big games, like I told you over the last two weeks. When it's a big game, I believe in Son. But now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I should have believed in him enough to put him as my captain. But I'm just in awe of him. He is the kind of player who rises up for big games. If there was like an independent panel, they should just give him even five bonus points. He was just much better than everybody. After Son, Pedro Porro, oh my goodness. That man, he is dangerous. If there's anyone who I'm dying to bring into my team, it is him. He is good. He has great vision and he can deliver that ball like nobody else. He's like a Spanish tripier. Richarlison scored two goals. Welcome back to scoring Richarlison. And then Son had a goal and Udoji had a goal. So... Pedro Porro had an assist and Son had two assists. And to be honest, Pedro Porro should have had two assists. It's just that Son let him down a bit. Son had three bonus points, as I said earlier. Richarlison had two and Udoji had one. I don't even know how he topped Pedro Porro, probably because he scored. But Pedro Porro was much better. And he is somebody you should definitely get. Joel Linton scored for Newcastle. And the assist was from Wilson. 
I had brought in Dubravka thinking that I had done a good thing. Well, I did do a good thing because he came on and gave me two points, but he may not be the clean sheet machine that I thought he would be. <laughs> and there are talks that the hair might be signed, so that Newcastle goalkeeper position might not be his for too long. When it comes to points and this round, starting with goalkeepers, Emmy Martinez and Pickford had 10. Leno and Fodderingham had 9. Neto and Trafford had 7. Moving on to defenders, Sanessi had 15. Tosin from Fulham had 14. Udoji had 9. Tofolo and Amidzovic had 8. Mikolenko and Neko Williams had 7. Diego Carlos, Konza, Paul, Smith, Zabarini, Kekes, Dakowski, Robinson, Bassi, Castagne, Robinson had six. Those five clean sheets really carried the day for many people. In midfield, Son had 17, Richarlison had 15, Salah had 13, Adingra, Dukure, and Grealish had 10. McGinn, Tavernier, Wilson, Bernardo had nine. Lewis Cook and Makati had eight. When it comes to strikers, Raul and Cunha had nine. Solanke, Mateta, Adebayo had seven. Calvert-Lewin and Rodriguez and Vinicius and Alvarez had five. The average points for the week were... 40. So if you got 40, well done. If you got more, well done. If you got 70 like me, really well done. <laughs> Looking at our table, we have a new leader. And the new leader is an old leader. Leon Mortier, why are you running? He had 67 points, which saw him leapfrog, goodness gracious me, the other Leon. And he's now three points ahead. He has 981. Goodness gracious me had 42 points. And he has 978. Number three is Alexander Mutune. Don't bottle it this year. And he has 972. Number four is Vic City. Who has 46. And he has 969 points. So it's three to number four. And six to number two. And three to number one. So the table's getting quite tight at the top. Number five has 938. So you can see there's a 30 point gap between number five and number four. At the bottom, Jeremiah Obiri, Mr. Captaining Holland and leaving his team for the whole season, is the lowest. And at the bottom of the table, he has 735 points with 17 points. Above him, by two points, is Melvin Katharima, who has 24 points. And I think these two may hold the bottom. Washira Gitahi has 66 points, and he has 751 points. Taganagaderu has 39 points, and he has 753. Tim Kubwa, fifth from bottom, has 755, and he's just two ahead of Tagana. And above him is number 18, I mean, sorry, number 17 who has 7.99. So between number 18 and number 17, they're 44 points. So you can see the bottom five are going to really have to really get up to catch up to the bottom middle of the table. In our group, Melvin Asakanya, again for two weeks in a row, is the leader. He has 74 points. I have 70 points along with LED, who is a dark horse. And so we are tied at number two. And then at number four, we have Why Are You Running with 77 points. And then at number five, we have Washira Gitahi with 66 points. The global leader had 112 points. And this man, Mr. Arex Popson, a woman, is very brave because they triple captain Son. And get this, 
that triple captain only fell to Son because he had triple captained Holland. You see how important choosing your vice captain is? If this does not tell you that, I don't know what will. Because it could have been Saka and he would have had six. This person was very, very lucky. Most of us had captained Haaland and only one of us hadn't vice captained Salah, at least in the top 10. And that caused a change in the table. So Mr. Leon, Paul Sana for captaining Alvarez, that really cost you. Now, moving on, looking forward to game week 17. The first thing that we have to notice is that the game week starts on Friday and it's going to be Nottingham Forest versus Spurs. This is a kind of game week where you will be favoring Son if you want to capitalize on his recent form. Spurs are looking like they're back. They're looking very dangerous. They're looking very dynamic. Richarlison has started scoring. The wingbacks are dangerous. Son is looking dangerous. This game could be a blowout. Nottingham Forest are stuttering in their form. Their best players are their wingbacks. It would be really hard to bet against the Spurs in this game. Of course, you can't rule out like Gibbs White, Elanga, and the wingbacks causing trouble. But I believe Spurs are the better team and I believe they will win. Bournemouth versus Luton. Now, this will be a game. Luton have been making it difficult for everybody. They're not a walkover, but they're still beatable. With Luton, Lockyer, Mengi, Brown, Kabore seem to be able to get points from somewhere. Adebayo scores when given the chance. From Bournemouth, it's going to be quite tricky. They're in great form right now, and I think they should be favourites for this match. The players are finally understanding what Iraola wants from them. Solanke, Billing, Tavanier, Semenyo, Christie, Senesi are all players that you should be looking into. Chelsea versus Sheffield. Goodness. With the new manager bounce that Sheffield have and Chelsea's weird and random form, this game could go either way. I wouldn't be shocked if Sheffield win this game 1 or 2 nil, or if they draw this game. On the flip side, Chelsea could just come out and just hammer these guys. It's really unpredictable, especially from Chelsea. With their Jekyll and Hyde season, you just never know what's going to happen. I think the real difference between this season and Potter's Chelsea is that you really don't know what's going to happen. With Potter, it was like it was just meh all the time. But with Pochettino, you have some great performances and those performances really cover the nothing that they do after that. And this could be one of those. This may be the high and the next week, nothing. It's really hard to predict who will play for Chelsea. And so I would just say, gamble. If you have to have a Chelsea player, good luck. That's all I can say. I honestly don't know who will play. And if you think I'm making it up, just look at this weekend's Chelsea lineup versus the weekend before. It's wild. The squad is too big. And Pochettino had the gall to say he needs more reinforcements. Man City versus Crystal Palace. This game will be interesting because it really hinges for me upon whether we have Haaland back or not. And now Crystal Palace on the other end only really have Mateta now. Woodward sort of left injured. Olise seems to be on a minutes restriction. They don't have Ayu now. Johnston is injured. This is a recipe for a beatdown. But on the flip side, it could be the kind of game where Crystal Palace make it tough. They just pack the bus, Mourinho style. I don't think Crystal Palace have enough to get anything out of this game. I am fully going for Manchester City in this one. If Haaland does not play, Alvarez will be important. If Foden plays like he did in the last game, he will be very dangerous. And then Bernardo Silva will be in there with the goals. And also Mr. Grealish, DJ Grillo, 
This may be the only game in which I feel confident in recommending a Manchester City defender. However, history shows us that it is now 2 in 14 games that Man City have kept a clean sheet. So the odds are not in their favour. They might get a random penalty like they did against Liverpool. So I don't know. But I strongly feel like this might be the game that Man City get a clean sheet. Newcastle versus Fulham. At this point, I must say that Champions League is happening this week. Europa League and Conference League is happening this week. This means that all of the teams that play in Europe may be affected. Availability of some players will be affected. So do not make your moves until Thursday. Now, I know you fear prices going up or going down. Like, for example, if you have not boom in your team, just get him out. Just get him out. Don't, don't worry about that. But delay it as much as possible. Because teams like Brighton may lose somebody. Aston Villa may lose somebody. Now, having said all that, Newcastle versus Fulham. Newcastle are really good at home. But they'll be missing Trippier. That will change their creativity. Or rather, force them to be looking elsewhere for creativity. Fulham, on the other hand, have scored 10 goals in their last two games. They are the team in form right now in the Premier League. I have already gone through their players. It will be Jimenez, Pereira, Wilson, Robinson, William. They have so many options. So just choose the one which fits your budget and the one that you think will give you the best differential. For Newcastle, let's just see who's available first. I wouldn't bank on a clean sheet in this game. So if you have your Lascelles and all of those guys, just put them on the bench. Burnley versus Everton. This game has two teams that are playing better than they have been. Everton are in good form. They've kept three clean sheets in a row. And I'm hoping for a fourth. To that effect, I have brought Pickford on. I'm hoping him and Mikolenko give me 12. I'm hoping for Burnley to make the mistakes that they've been making and to be scored. Dwight McNeil, Ducouré, Mikolenko are solid options. Outside those three, if you want Pickford, fine. But outside those three, Choose your differential. Maybe Harrison, maybe Beto, maybe DCL. That's about it. If you're looking to gamble on Burnley, I would say Jay Rodriguez, Odobert. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's about it. Arsenal versus Brighton. Arsenal will be favourites to win this game. Mainly because Brighton always concede. I don't see Arsenal conceding two goals from Brighton. And Brighton tend to play horribly after Europe. That should continue, especially considering they have a thinning squad and it might be even thinner after Thursday's game. Gross and Adingra are the only players I can comfortably recommend from this game for Brighton. For Arsenal, just pick your poison. The people you're used to. If you're a soccer guy, stay with him. Brighton have scored in 32 consecutive games. I don't see a reason why this won't stop. Arsenal have been in poor form of late in terms of conceding goals. And so, even if I believe Arsenal will win, I don't think they'll keep a clean sheet. Although I will have Dinchenko hoping that I'll get a clean sheet. Brentford versus Aston Villa. Brentford are kind of like Crystal Palace right now. They have nothing going for them. And they just can't field good players in the right positions right now. Aston Villa, hoping that Europe goes well, are just a better team. It's an away game, so it's not a guaranteed victory. But they are strong. They're in good form. They're third in the table. I think this will buoy them. I think they'll want to take advantage of what Brentford has. And they will be missing Douglas Louise, so they may be fragile in the centre. We will see how they cover that absence. That may be key. Bailey, McGinn, Watkins are the favourite. Luca Dean will be missing. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with the wing-back position. 
if they play Power Taurus there, and we see how they attack. It may be a different kind of game from Emery. However, beating Arsenal and beating Man City, he used different tactics, so I can't put anything against him or past him. Wolves versus West Ham. West Ham will be home in this one, and they will be playing after Europe. We will see what happens in Europe, and that may affect who's available. They seem to be overextended right now, and maybe it's fatigue or something, but there's something with the West Ham squad that's causing them not to perform as expected. He may be having the same thing that Brighton's going through. These two teams in Europe, the league's games may be coming too fast for them. That Korean guy and Cunha are the strongest selections from the Wolves team. From West Ham, you have Kudos, you have Suchek, you have James Ward-Prowse, and you have, what's his name? Jerry Bauer, you know it. I think Wolves have an opportunity here to really sneak a victory here, and that's what I would be hoping for. But West Ham are a good team, Maybe this is when they will change their form. And then we have the final game. Liverpool versus Manchester United. Fight! Liverpool are the better team. They have a great record in this fixture. Manchester United are playing Bayern with hopes of qualifying for Europe. This will be a game that they have to play their best. Depending on how that game goes, they may be either inspired or deflated come this fixture. I am going to have Captain Salah to demolish this team, hoping that both of these guys are available following their games in Europe. Liverpool are favourite. I would say have your Luis Diaz's, your Nunez's. This could be the kind of game he just shows up even if he's been poor and underwhelming. But to be honest, it's just really Salah. Trent has been in good form. So it'd be Trent, Salah, and maybe Diaz. And Jota, if he's fit. This has been a better week than the last one. Game Week 17 presents opportunities for us to build our teams and get stronger and earn more points. Remember, take it one week at a time. We still have plenty of weeks left. See you on the pitch. Have a great week. Bye.